If you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to be in a few different places today, but I want to have you start in 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. We continue in this Kings series, and we're going to get to some things in 2 Kings in a moment, but we're going to start with our memory verse uh, here today from 1 Timothy 4, verse 12. The message today is entitled, Difference Maker. And I think it's interesting that where we're at in our reading for the Bible reading, and where we're at this Sunday, being Affirmation Sunday, we're going to be looking at a variety of kings that took the throne at a very, very young age. And so the verse that comes to mind for me in the midst of all of this is this 1 Timothy 4.12. Now Paul is writing to about a 30-year-old Timothy. So it's not like he's 8 or 9 trying to pastor a church. But he is writing to somebody that would be considered rather young. And that's almost a little personal for me. In my 30s, I'm thinking, imagine getting a letter from one of my mentors saying, Russ, here's some ways in which you can help shepherd the congregation. But that's what Paul is doing here, writing to his protege here, Timothy, trying to encourage him as he pastors this church in Ephesus. But before we look at this verse together, this is God's Word. God speaks to us through His Word. And so I'm just going to ask that we would pray together to settle our hearts today to receive from the Word. Father, we thank You for this time of worship And Lord, now as we get into the Word together, I pray that you would speak to us. And we would not only hear your Word, but we would listen and respond. And we would apply these truths into our life. We thank you for this time right now together. We lift it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. 1 Timothy 4. 12, the Bible says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. Now, before anybody writes themselves off from this verse, because they're like, well, I'm not young, okay, there's still some truth in this for you here today. But we're to set an example for believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. And I want to take a moment to break each of these down. What does it look like to be an example to others around you in your speech? You know, there's a lot of words we say in any given day. How can we conduct our speech in a way that is godly and is an example? Another thing is conducting our life in a way that would be an example. And that's all summed up by righteous living. We live for the Lord, and that's an example for people. It's a way of life. It's not just a weekend thing. I mean, you're all gathered here today, which is great, but a way of life is when you walk out these doors, you're still living for the Lord. You desire to hear His voice. You desire to worship Him. These are things that are a way of life. We can be an example of love. In our world, there's a lot of things we love. But the love we're talking about here is a self-sacrificing love. And Jesus gave, and our example is in Him, so we give to other people. We love self 
sacrificially, which in our world, that is foreign. That is strange. When you love somebody and you put their interests ahead of yours. But we can be an example by the way we love. Be an example in faith. And that's not just like what we believe. It's actually being an example in our faithfulness and our commitment in our faith journey. We want to be faithful to the Lord. We want to be committed to the Lord. We live in a world where we just kind of, we put a toe in and we, you know, test the water out maybe. And, uh, you know, if something's going wrong in our life, then we'll go to the Lord and all of these things. I mean, this is a little bit of our society, but God's saying, I want you to be committed to me all the time. I want you to be faithful. And we need to be examples of that. And then the last one here is being an example of, in purity. Being people who live pure lives. Being holy, especially when it comes to sexuality. That was something that they dealt with in Ephesus, and I believe it's something that we deal with here in our world today. What does purity look like? Reserving these things that God has designed for marriage and he's made it holy, knowing that someday you'll have a covenant with a spouse. And we are to be pure in our thoughts, pure in our lives, and we can be an example in these things. We're going to look at some of these kings here today, and they're very young, and I just want to start out with maybe a little bit of a lighter note. If you've ever heard of the kid President, He was kind of a big deal a few years ago. He's probably not so much a kid anymore. He has all these YouTube videos and things that people should do and kind of, uh, you know, self-help, motivational speaker, all of that. But the kid president, I want you to just imagine if all of a sudden we found out that an eight-year-old was going to lead our nation. Be kind of crazy. Well, we're going to look at some of these young kings that actually are going to step up and lead the nation of Judah. And they're very, very young. Yesterday I asked Brady and Judah to come up with a list of things that Judah would want to do if he was our president. And they were so ridiculous, I'm not even going to share them with you. <laughs> You'd be a little nervous having an eight-year-old, and he's six, as a president. But one of the things that the Bible talks about in Deuteronomy 17 is that when the king sits on the throne, he must copy for himself the body of instruction or the word on a scroll in the presence of the priests. And he must always keep that copy with him and read it daily as long as he lives. That way he will learn to fear the Lord his God by obeying all the terms of the instructions and the decrees. And this regular reading will prevent him be from becoming proud and acting as if he is above his fellow citizens. It will also prevent him from turning away from these commands in the smallest way, and it will ensure that he and his descendants will reign for many generations in Israel. What that is saying is if the king stays in tune with God's word, he will be successful and his nation will be blessed. Okay? Heeding the word of God. Remember that. Let's look at 
some of these kings. This first king of Judah is King Joash, seven years old, takes the throne. That's something. And this king reigned approximately 40 years, and I want to just give you a little bit of a setup with this young man. He was actually somewhat of an orphan because his father, King Ahaziah, was killed, and we don't really know much about his mom, but his grandmother saw an opportunity to take the throne for herself. So when her son, Ahaziah, dies, she takes the throne and then has all of her grandchildren wiped out. Yeah. What a lovely grandmother. Well, Joash was a grandson, but he was saved by an aunt. And an aunt hid him in the temple of the Lord, and there he was for six years. And in the seventh year of Queen Grandma, she's removed from the throne, and Joash is made king. And in 2 Kings 12, verse 2, the Bible says that Joash did what was right in the eyes of the Lord all the years that Jehoiada, the priest, instructed him. So when he was young, he had someone giving him counsel and guidance. And as that voice was present in his life, things went well for him. And Joash may have started well, but sadly, he didn't finish well. Eventually, Jehoiada would no longer be a part of his life, and that influence is gone. And I just want to make this point that it's important to have spiritual mentors and spiritual leaders speaking into our lives. And so for our affirmation students, always have mentors and leaders speaking into your life. Now for the rest of us, always have mentors and leaders speaking into your life. Another king, this is King Uzziah, and he takes over at 16. By show of hands, for those who have been parents, would you rather have a king that's seven years old or a king that's 16 years old? Seven, raise your hand. Okay, 16, raise your hand. Oh, wow. Whatever. <laughs> king Uzziah reigns for approximately 50 years, and he seems to be doing well. But one problem is Uzziah doesn't clean house on the false worship that's taking place in his land. Uzziah lacked a holiness that God desired in his life, and eventually he comes down with leprosy, and he becomes isolated, and he can't lead. We see in 2 Kings 15.3, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father Amaziah had done, but... It started well, just like Joash, but it didn't finish well. It's important for us to take holiness seriously and to even ask our que this question, are there any areas in our life 
where we've neglected God's holiness. We need to bring that to Him. God desires us to be holy, and there's something very real in this world and in our lives that's called a slow fade. And we can be on fire for the Lord, we can be living in a right manner, and then all of a sudden we start to just kind of drift from the Lord. And we're not taking holiness seriously, and before you know it, you go a year, or you go two years, and you go, wow, how did I get so far away from God's desires for my life? To the affirmation students, don't let a slow fade take place in your life. And for all of us, don't let a slow fade take hold in our life. Here's another king, Manasseh. Everybody say, ooh. Ooh, he was wicked. He was an evil, evil king. He reigned for approximately 55 years. Manasseh had a very godly father figure. King Hezekiah, he was a really good king. And Manasseh, his son, he did not make his father's faith his own. He did not make his father's faith his own. He actually leads Israel to be like one of the foreign nations who don't even know God. He did wicked things. 2 Kings 21 verse 2 Manasseh did evil in the eyes of the Lord, following the detestable practices of the nations the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. Manasseh did not take faith in God seriously, and he missed out on God's blessings. He and his nations suffered for it. We must take ownership of our faith. We must take ownership of our faith. It's not about what your dad did, Manasseh. What are you going to do? And so to the affirmation students, it's not about what mom and dad are doing. What are you doing with your faith? You must own your faith. And for everyone listening, you must own your faith. The Bible says that you will stand before God and give an account for your life. Nobody else's. Your life. You must own your faith. I want to look at a king now who did own his faith. And it's actually a grandson of Manasseh. Manasseh's son, Ammon, was not good either. But all of a sudden you get this guy, Josiah. King at age 8. And he reigns for approximately 30 years. Grandfather was evil, dad was evil, yet something is different in Josiah's life. Something is different. In 2 Kings 22, verse 2, the Bible says that Josiah did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, and he followed completely the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. We're looking now at a man of faith. And I want you to now turn to 2 Chronicles 34, if you have your Bibles. 
because we're going to walk through, I think, a very interesting part of King Josiah's life. 2 Chronicles 34. And on the screen, we're going to look at four different moments in his life. Age 8, age 16, age 20, and age 26. In 2 Chronicles 34, starting in verse 1, the Bible backs up the, the stuff we're seeing in 2 Kings. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight and followed the example of his ancestor David. He did not turn away from doing what was right. In verse 3, it says, During the eighth year of his reign. So he started at eight, at another eight. We know he's 16 years old. And it even says, While he was still young, Josiah began to seek the God of his ancestor David. Here he is, a young teenager. The Bible clearly tells us he began to seek God. He was going to own this. Dad was not good. My grandpa was not good. But I want to be. And I'm going to start seeking God. It goes on to say in verse 3 that in the 12th year of his reign, so eight years old, add 12, it's 20. So four years into seeking the Lord. The Bible says that he began to purify the nation, destroying all the pagan shrines, the Asherah poles, the carved idols, and cast images. He begins to purify the nation that he's leading. He knows these things are not pleasing to God. It's time to get them out of here because we want to live lives that are pleasing to the Lord. If you jump to verses 8 and 9, it says in the 18th year of his reign. So he's 8 years old. Add in your 18 years and he's 26. And after he had purified the land and the temple, Josiah appointed some men to repair the temple of the Lord his God. Now he's trying to repair this place of worship. And they gave Hilkiah, the high priest, the money that had been collected by the Levites who served as gatekeepers at the temple of God. And if you jump to verses 14 through 18, it says that while they were bringing out the money that was collected at the Lord's temple, Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law that was written by Moses. Do you remember at the very beginning of this message I read from Deuteronomy 17 that it would be good for the king to take the word and study it and read it each day? It will go well with them. Will they find the word of God? It's been missing for like 60 years. Can you imagine showing up to church every Sunday and we go, I don't know what to read? Then all of a sudden there's this Sunday where we show up and I go, guys. I found this on a shelf. I think it's the Bible. And I start reading from it, and all of us go, oh my goodness. There's things that we need to do. There's changes we need to make. And Josiah responds. In 2 Chronicles 34, 19 through 21, they're reading the Word of God to King Josiah. And when he heard what was written, he tore his clothes in despair. 
I've talked to you right now about a guy who was seeking the Lord and purifying his nation, and as soon as he's hearing the word, he's going, oh my goodness, there are things in my life that need to change. He's taking holiness seriously. He gives these orders. He says, go to the temple and speak to the Lord for me. He goes, we got more work to do. To sum up those words. And in 2 Chronicles 34, 33, the Bible says that Josiah removed all detestable idols from the entire land and required everyone to worship the Lord. And throughout the rest of his lifetime, they did not turn away from the Lord, the God of their ancestors. I think it's interesting that Josiah does not have the word, even though the kings are supposed to read that every day. And at 16, he chooses to seek the Lord, but the word's not present. But he is seeking God. And changes begin to happen in his life, even though he doesn't have all the answers. And guess what? When you're young, you don't have all the answers. And then when you get a little older, you don't have all the answers. And then when you get really older, you don't have all the answers. We need to seek the Lord. And what's interesting here is that a heart that seeks God will find obedience. But a heart that tries to seek obedience doesn't always find God. Religion wants you to just obey a bunch of rules and just be a good person. But the way God has designed you is for a relationship and to seek Him. And when you seek Him, the Bible says, you'll find Him, and when you find Him, your life's going to change. You're going to be a different person. And He will be at work in your life. Hebrews 11.6 says that God rewards those who sincerely seek Him. There is a blessing when we're intentional about our relationship with God. This final little verse here that I want to share with you is kind of a wrapping up here of Josiah's story. You've got a man that's seeking the Lord. He's walking in obedience. They discover the Word of God. They begin to continue in this path of holiness. And I'm telling you right now, if you respond positively to God's grace, guess what? He just gives even more. There's just more blessings that come your way. And in 2 Kings 23, 25, neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did, with all of his heart, with all of his soul, and with all of his strength. Let us be people who walk in the same way as King Josiah, that we love and we seek the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and let us be people who are examples in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. And if you do those things, I believe you're going to be somebody who makes a difference in this life. So we can be a difference maker. Josiah was a difference maker. God was at work in his life, and as he obeyed the Lord, as he sought the Lord, things started to happen. And changes, not only in his life, but in the environment around him. We can be difference makers.
In closing, I just want to share a story here of, of a young individual who's a difference maker. This young individual's name is Katie Nicole. And she wrote a song at the age of 21. And that song went viral on TikTok. If you don't know what that is, ask an affirmation student. <laughs> it goes viral on TikTok, which then goes to number one on the Billboard charts. And this song was birthed out of the time that she spent seeking God. Seeking God. She would write in her prayer journal, and a lot of this was really developing during the whole COVID thing. And she would share with the Lord, being honest with Him about her own struggles, being real with the Lord. She suffered from scoliosis and had suffered for many years. And so imagine, 21 when she writes this, back up, I mean, she's been suffering that probably through her teenage years. So a young student, just like our, our affirmation kids. For years, she's seeking the Lord in the midst of this. And in seeking the Lord, it eventually leads her to a new doctor that says, I think we need to pull out all the hardware that's in you, and maybe that'll give you some relief. And when she wakes up from the surgery, her pain is completely gone. And she gets this miracle that she had been praying for over and over and over again as she was seeking the Lord. And she writes this song, and I just want to give you the lyrics here before we enter into a time of reflection. And she says, I pray for your healing and that circumstances would change. I pray that the fear inside would flee. And I pray that a breakthrough would happen today. By show of hands, with me, how many of you are in need of a breakthrough today? Anybody? A few? Anybody with me on that? I pray miracles over your life in Jesus' name. Here's this young girl speaking these things from her heart. She says, I speak the name of all authority, declaring blessings and every promise he is faithful to keep. And I speak the name that no grave could ever hold. And he is greater, he is stronger, and he is the God of possible. Here's a young girl that's a difference maker. And out of seeking the Lord, God brings a miracle into her life, but she is being used in so many ways, bringing the truth And encouraging so many. It's possible there's people listening today that you've got something in your life that you do need that miracle she's talking about. You do need that breakthrough. And as we spend time in reflection here with this song here shortly, just ask the Lord to just move upon your circumstance, upon your situation, and then we're going to close this time of reflection with prayer. So as I pray to lead us into that, I want to invite the worship team to come up and prepare to lead us in this song.
Father, we are so grateful. for your love, and for your grace in our life. Help us to be people who respond to that, that we would love you and seek you, and we would be an example to those around us. And Father, it's possible right now that as we're walking this faith journey, There's a variety of things that might be on people's hearts and spirits today. And just as you used this young girl, her testimony in song now, I pray, Father, you would speak to our hearts. Please bless this time of reflection and help us to lift the things that are on our heart to you.